Have you ever contemplated how strange it is that we come into this world with zero explanation or instructions on what this whole life thing is all about? How different would things be if a great being sat us down to give us the lowdown? This is who you really are. This is why you're here. And this is what you're meant to do with your life. Instead, we're dropped into this life clueless and left to figure it out for ourselves. It isn't like the movies, where a wise sage shows up at exactly the right moment to guide us toward our destiny. Instead, the messengers and messages in our lives are much, much subtler. And if we aren't quiet enough and listening closely enough, we can miss those messages entirely. This is a story about two people. One who missed the message, and another who didn't. And one of these people is me. From Back to the Breath Media, I'm Mike Cavanaugh, and this is Voices, a show that's about bringing you personal stories of real people who bring a city to life. Welcome to present day. This is the sound of me, bundled up in my winter coat in the woods of western Illinois, riding on an ATV that's being driven by Sister Julia, Order of St. Francis. Why am I in the woods on an ATV being driven by Sister Julia? If you want to understand that, hop into your time machine and set the dial way back. Welcome to the year 2019. This is the sound of a man's voice. That's at the tip of the spear. But not just any man. It's the man who, in this year 2019, has just delivered me a pink slip. And I, I don't know that we have that right now. My first ever layoff. It was a phone call. Why would someone be laying me off over the phone? If you really want to understand that, you're going to need to hop into the time machine and set the dial way, way back. Welcome to 2009. This is me sitting at my computer, Googling retreat centers near Chicago. So it was late 2009, and I was at a crossroads in my life. I had recently quit my job to move with my wife to Park Ridge, Illinois. I had no idea what to do for work next. All I knew was that I didn't want to do anything like what I'd just been doing. In search of answers to this big question about what to do with my life, I decided what I needed was to spend some time in solitude. Over the years, I'd been on various silent Buddhist meditation retreats, and I'd come to know the power of prolonged silence and solitude in becoming more still and more attuned to hearing the messages from within. So I scheduled myself a four-day retreat at a place about two hours from my new home that I had found from my Google search, a retreat center called Christ in the Wilderness. But something strange happened. After going on that retreat, I came back and I didn't do what I was determined to do and change careers into something that I had a passion for. Instead, I re-engaged with my former company, a decision that sent me down a path of many more years in that line of work, and then a bunch more in a related line of work as an executive for a corporation. That corporation would one day be sold to a private equity company who would replace the CEO with a different CEO who would phone me on my vacation day to lay me off. 
So, 13 years after first moving to Park Ridge, I found myself at a very similar crossroads to the one that I was at 13 years prior, looking for answers. And that's when I woke up with an idea. So it's uh, four in the morning, and I was up there laying in bed in this mental loop. I need something to shake me out of this, to, to help give me clarity. And then I had this idea, Vision Quest. A Vision Quest. An ancient rite of passage practiced for millennia by indigenous cultures, whereby a person goes off into the wilderness, fasts, and prays for the spirits to give them a vision to help them find their purpose in life, their role in their community, and how they may best serve the people. Or, if you prefer the cultural appropriation version, the process of sending completely inexperienced urban dwellers in the midst of existential crises into the woods for a couple days of hunger, aloneness, and straight-up fear. So I called one of my best friends to run the idea by him, because he's a doctor, and I'm always calling him for free advice. So I asked him about this Vision Quest idea. Hello. Quiz show style. Uh, welcome to Vision Quest 2023. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a guest. Happy to be here. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> what do you think Mike will first do when he finds himself alone in the wilderness? Definitely just play dead. I'm looking at the judges. Yes, the judges will accept that answer. <laughs> We would have accepted pee or poop in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Suppose Mike is confronted by a grizzly bear. What would Mike do? Interview it. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. I'm not exactly the savvy wilderness type. I can count the number of times I've gone camping on a single hand. And let's be honest, those experiences were hardly roughing it. There were campgrounds and electricity and a complete absence of man-eating wildlife. And there were other people. And let's not forget, there was food. Vision quests involve fasting, not hot dogs and roasting marshmallows. The closest I've come to a fast like that is not eating after midnight the night before getting blood work done. Still, something about this idea felt right. And then I had another idea. I would bring my microphone and document the experience. At this point, I could barely contain my excitement. I went looking for a guide, someone who knows how to do vision quests right. And I found one. That's a 10-day event. In person, I do them twice a year. And if I have you even just a little excited about the notion of a dopey, unwildernessy guy heading outdoors with his microphone for four days of solitude and starvation, it's time for me to confess something to you. This episode is not about what happened on that trip, because that trip didn't happen. What happened instead? That coming up after the break. 
before the break, I was overzealously diving headfirst down the path of a four-day fasted vision quest. But as my guide pointed out to me, You're in Chicago. (laughs) It's going to be cold and snowy. Not only was winter in the Midwest not a good time of year for an unwildernessy guy to starve himself in the woods alone for four days, as my wife pointed out, tacking on two more days and a bunch more money during a period of income uncertainty to fly somewhere warmer and leave her with our two kids, well, it wasn't exactly a great time for that either. With my Vision Quest plans put on temporary hiatus, I went from excited to dejected. Until... I went from dejected to having another idea. Remember that retreat I went on back when I first moved to Park Ridge? Well, it sounds like you have a much better memory than I do. Because for some reason, I remembered going on the retreat. But as for everything else about that retreat, the pile of mush that I call my brain had turned the memories from that experience into a complete fog. So much so that periodically over the years, I wondered... Whatever happened on that retreat? Why had I come back and completely abandoned my career change plans? A decision that led me to more than a decade of work that never felt right to me. Maybe returning to the retreat center would help bring some of that back for me. And maybe that understanding, along with the solitude and quiet time in nature, would help me navigate my current crossroads and figure out what I should be doing next. So, I make arrangements, and several weeks later, I pack up and I say goodbye to my family. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. A goodbye that has my two-year-old daughter's lip crinkle with a look of such sadness and betrayal that it makes me almost call off the whole thing. And they say, That face is going to break my little heart. Oh my gosh. But I soldier on, and with microphone at the ready, I set out to find some answers. I make my way out of town, and the surroundings shift from buildings and houses to farmland and churches. And gradually, the number of cars subsides until it's just me on the open road. After a couple hours of driving, I check GPS and I see that I'm getting close. Roads. Turn right. Then the destination is on your left. Thanks, Australian Siri. As I'm informed about my approach by Siri, a woman originally born in Sydney, Australia, but now living in my phone, I wonder what it's going to be like to return to this place 12 years later and how it will feel to have memories flood back into my awareness. All right, hopefully I'm in the right spot. Because I really don't remember this at all. I park my car and I'm immediately met by Sister Julia. Hello. The center's executive director and spiritual director. And Sister Julia drives me up to the cabin that I'll be staying at. A small hermitage that goes by the name of Mary Glenn. Named after the people who helped get it built when the retreat center was in its infancy a few decades ago. Sister Julia asks me if Mary Glenn is the same hermitage I stayed in last time, but I'm not sure. The flood of memories I expected to have, it's anything but biblical. It's more like the annoying drip of a leaky faucet. The hermitage has a twin bed, a desk, a recliner, 
a small kitchen, shower, and bathroom, like a small studio apartment built in the 1980s. After I unpack my things, I finally settle in for some peace and quiet, ready to tune in for the universe to serve me up download after download of insight and clarity about what direction to take my professional and spiritual life in next. Received text message, and it reads, Internet is down big time all day. Can you send me step-by-step instructions to reset it? I type out the request and instructions, and with my household IT help desk duties fulfilled, I finally settle in for some nice peace and quiet. Hi. Hello. Hello. Yeah, can you... Someone has left the cabinet under the sink open, a child safety no-no, and one that has my wife fearful that our two-year-old may have gone in there when nobody was looking. But after some virtual forensic analysis turning up no signs of shenanigans, the cabinet lock is returned to its safe and secure state, and with my household facility management duties fulfilled, I finally settle in for some nice peace and quiet. Hello? Someone has hacked my wife's PayPal account. Together, we spend the next 30 minutes triaging the situation, eventually concluding that no hacking has taken place. It's just an ordinary phishing attempt that almost had these two computer geniuses duped. All right, bye. So with my household security and compliance duties fulfilled, I finally settle in to my shoes and winter coat because peace and quiet is a dish best enjoyed outdoors. I head out and tour the grounds, and I'm like a kid in the candy store, recording the sound of the babbling brook and the call of the birds, hiking out on the beautiful walking paths. Oh, oh, almost stepped on that. Oh, geez, animal scat. And skillfully dodging animal scat, like I do it all the time. Okay, went on hike. Look down as much as up. And I see that all those years dodging dog poop people were too lazy to pick up has paid off for me big time. I return from my day outdoors and settle in with a bowl of rice and beans. And that is when I come across several journals sitting on the bookshelves. Oh my goodness. I could probably spend all day reading these if I wanted to. I open them to find the entries from people's past retreats while staying in this hermitage, and I begin reading them. Here's one that says, Who forgets to pack underwear? I did, no joke. And I think that was God's way of winking at me, getting me to lighten up a bit and not be so serious. May you feel God's embrace during your time here. Look for those moments when God is winking at you and reminding you how beloved you truly are. All right, universe, life, I shall be looking for the moments when you are winking at me. When I wake up the next morning, I find that I'm in an unusually pensive mood. So why am I here? Why am I here, really? I mean, I know the reasons I've been telling myself. The answers I'm hoping will come to me while I'm here. But it's like I can tell I'm grasping at this experience being meaningful in some way. 
Like I'm hoping for some big realization. Or I'm hoping that there's some deeper reason for why I'm here. But why do I think I should even know that? Often we don't know why something's happening in the moment. Sometimes it takes a long time in retrospect to be able to see the bigger picture. Why not just allow myself to be surprised? Let go of all these expectations and really just, just be. I head out for a walk, and as I pass by the main house of the retreat center, I feel an unusually strong pull toward it. At first, I shrug it off, but the pull gets stronger. My mind goes to Sister Julia, who lives in the main house, and I begin wondering about her story. Why is she here? What drew her here? Normally, my shyness keeps me from acting on thoughts like this, but for some reason, this time is different. As I lift my hand to knock on the door, I wonder to myself, what's on the other side of this door, metaphorically? And then the real answer to that question arises. Truly, I have no idea. But what I didn't realize in that moment is what an absolute understatement this would turn out to be. So what is on the other side of this door? That after the break. I grew up in southern Illinois on a farm. I'm the oldest of nine children. Eighth grade, I entered the uh, Franciscan Sisters Our Lady of Perpetual Help High School in St. Louis, which was a boarding school for people that were interested in religious life, and then entered the community after that. Next year, I will be celebrating 50 years as a religious. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) At the beginning, I taught. I'm a mathematics major, so I was very analytical, and that's what I taught most of my teaching career. When I was in Louisiana, after getting a master's degree in mathematics, I went to a priest for spiritual direction, and it was very helpful for me because there was a lot of things going on in my life, and so spiritual direction really helped. At that point in time, there weren't very many spiritual directors, especially lay or religious. It was mostly just priests who did spiritual direction. So all my friends were going into theology degrees and things like that. And I said, there's no way I'm going to get into theology or spirituality. I'm sticking with the mathematics, you know, the science and that kind of stuff. So God has a sense of humor. (laughs) So after several years of spiritual direction and found it so beneficial, I found myself asking our superiors if I could get a degree in Christian spirituality with this emphasis on spiritual direction. And it was like a total 180 for me, you know. I just felt like I had spiritual direction available to me. You have the answers within you, basically, And and spiritual direction just helps you to hone in on what's already inside. The wisdom, the love, the care, whatever you may need to work through, whatever you're working through. I just felt like I had a good spiritual director. And I thought, other people don't have that opportunity. So I really wanted to help or allow other people to have that opportunity that was missing 
to most of the lay people in the world because there weren't spiritual directors around. So after you went back to school to become a spiritual director, how'd you end up finding your way here? So I grabbed the National Catholic Reporter, which is a Catholic national Catholic newspaper, and searched there for job openings, and this was advertised. So I sent off my resume. After I got back from Christmas, I called them and said, you know, where are you in your search for a director? And I packed my stuff up in a U-Haul and headed to St. Louis, which is where my community is. Just left my U-Haul packed because I said, well, if I get the job, I'm not going to unload it here and reload it. So I drove up to Chicago from St. Louis, interviewed, and they called me on the 12th and offered me the position and started May 1st, 20 and a half years ago. So it was meant to be, I guess. And so do you have a lot of conversations with people who come here on retreat who are looking for spiritual direction? I don't do tons of spiritual direction anymore. A lot of retreatants come here and just want to be in the quiet. I mean, the people that come here, their spiritualities are just mind-blowing. Sometimes I think, well, you don't need to be here. See me. I need to see you, you know, (laughs) type thing. Because the people that come here far and wide are spiritual people. I mean, it's not like they're coming here trying to find spirituality. They're coming here with their spirituality. And they're sometimes refocusing on it, sometimes dealing with an event. A lot of people come here grieving, so they need time just to be, to focus on their feelings, things like that. Other people come here having gotten caught up in the whirlwind of living and maybe have lost touch with their spirituality. And they want to spend some time just delving deeper into it and reconnecting with it so they can go back out in the world and, and be the person that they thought they would be. So... People come here with a lot of different experiences, but by and large, people are deeply spiritual that come here. And so sometimes they have a lot to teach me. If you've read any of the journals, they have a lot to teach everyone. Ah, the journals. The moment she mentions them, I'm thrown back into my memory of the prior night where something happened to me while reading them. Oh my God. I wonder if I can find my old entry. I wonder if I wrote when I was back here. Oh, this would probably be the one. In fact, I think I've held this book before. January. It would be right here. It's not here. So I did not write in the book. That's disappointing. I'm just surprised by how disappointed I feel. Like, I was hoping for this unexpected moment of reconnecting with my past self. 
Maybe that old me didn't want to be seen, even by my own self. I don't know. Perhaps it was because of all of this that I'd woken up so pensive, and why I paused my silence to have the conversation I was having with Sister Julia. Turning back to her, I ask her the question that's most on my mind. So why are you here? I mean, you could have ended up in a lot of different places. What was it, do you think, that ultimately drew you here? I stopped by here and uh, drove in to see it. When I drove down the lane, I just felt like this is where my being should be. My spirit, my life, you know, like this is where I'm going to sit down roots and live and whatever. I said, this feels like home, God. If this is where I'm supposed to be, then this is, it'll work out. It was kind of like the same decision when I decided to be a spiritual director. It was like it was something deeper than just surface. It wasn't that it was just comfortable, but it was like, this is what I'm called to do. It was a calling or a sense that, yes, this is what God wants me to be or do. So it was that sense of responding to a inner urge, an inner concept of being. I thank Sister Julia, and I leave the main house to head out on a hike. And as I'm climbing a steep embankment, oh wow, deer come crashing through the woods right by me. A family of six deer leap through the brush and cross right in front of me. Five of the deer continue off into the distance, but one stays back and it turns toward me. Oh, there's one. Wow. Ten yards away. Oh my gosh, he's looking right at me. We lock eyes. Hi. And for the next three minutes, neither of us move. We just stare into each other's eyes. Oh my God. difficult to put words to an experience like this. It was as though I was seeing myself through the eyes of that deer, and my mind, it completely stopped. Every aspect of the world fell away other than the gaze, and the boundaries of myself dissolved. There was just the seeing. Oh my god. Oh my god, I don't even know how to describe that. Eventually, it was as though we both came back into our bodies, and I saw the deer begin to move again, twitch a couple times, and then it turned back away from me, and it leapt off and rejoined its family. That was a spiritual experience. Thank you. What a gift. And as I come to, I stand there in the woods, cheeks wet with tears, and I say to myself, this too, it seems, 
is why I'm here. I return to my hermitage for the night, my last night of the retreat. When I wake up the next morning, I pack my things and I take a seat in the reading chair with the journals in my lap and pen in hand. This is my second retreat. My first was also in this hermitage. I begin by writing an account of my current retreat and then I find the book for 2010 and I close the loop that I had opened 12 years prior. Though I don't remember much about my first day, I'll never forget this one. I'm grateful for the deep moments of connection I experienced while I was here, with past retreatants through their journal entries, with Sister Julia, with the deer who calls this place home and pointed me back to the deepest sense of that word. May you find what you long for most. Peace and love, Mike. I make a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast and I head out to the deck to take in the beautiful setting one last time this retreat. As I walk onto the deck, it's covered in frost and I can see the steam rising out of my bowl. And when I look out below me, there at the bottom of the hill are six deer. Five of the deer go bounding off into the woods and one deer stays back, leaving me completely speechless. The deer hears my spoon clink the bowl and it turns its head toward me. And before bounding off to rejoin the rest of its family, it lingers for several seconds looking up at me. And I see that this is a deer's way of winking at me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Voices. If you'd like to hear Sister Julia's entire story, you can find the full version of our conversation at voicesofparkridge.org.